we took the leap. A new decade has begun. But we are the same boys. Or are we? I'm Ben Sheets. I'm Matisse Van Rasa. I'm the sponsor shelf. I'm here to to spread to spread love and joy, and that's it. That's my that's my goal. And talk about some movies. Well, yeah, we're all here to spread love and joy. It's the first episode of 2020, the first episode of a new year, the first episode of a new decade. To start this uh, this episode out, we're actually going to be rounding off our best films of the 2010s list. Uh, last episode, we did our six through ten. So if you haven't listened to that, I would recommend going back and checking that out before we jump in here. But there's lots to be done today, so let's get right in. Sponsor Shelf Cleveland, why don't you start? All right, I can do that, beginning with... Number five. Yes. So we're going to make our way back down. All right. Number five is us. I'll say it once. I'll say it again. That scissor fight is rad. The music is incredible. I love that film to bits. And I've already said everything I love. So there All right. Go. Cool. Uh, ben, what's your number five? My number five is a movie we talked about earlier on the podcast several episodes ago. The Killing of a Sacred Deer. This movie left me with an unbelievable sense of dread while having such a dark bent of humor to it. The director, I'm not going to try to butcher his name. Yorgos Lanthimos. There would you, you go. Would you say it's that you have Greek. no idea how to pronounce it? Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, he is one of my favorite directors at this moment with great movies like The Lobster and The Favorite. But this movie in particular is probably my favorite. It's such a beautifully shot movie. The acting is all incredible. It's really such a unique experience. I couldn't not put it on my I'll list. Keep going. You're killing it. Okay, I'm moving on to stop you, Cleveland. <laughs> um, From what? What's going on? Uh, I, I will say, yeah, Killing of a Sacred Deer is is a really good film. I was kind of lukewarm on things about it when we when we talked about it on the show, but it's something that I haven't really been able to stop thinking about since the last time I watched it. So it would definitely fall in my honorable mentions. Uh, my pick for number five is a film we've uh, also talked about ad nauseum on the show. It is The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers from 2019. Uh, Listen to our episode on that. Uh, It was all over our lists last episode as well. Uh, Just a really stellar film that is continuing Robert Eggers' incredibly powerful career already, even with only two films. Moving on to number four, Cleveland. My number four is also The Lighthouse. Nice! (laughs) And mine is too, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, might as um, well just quickly all talk about The Lighthouse. One more big big circle jerk for The Lighthouse. Yeah, uh, welcome to the circle jerk echo chamber. Much like in The Lighthouse, we're jerking off while also screaming. Yes, (laughs) and also very drunk. Extremely drunk. It's It's a relatable film. Yeah, extremely. Um, I, like I mentioned... Last episode, I decided to only pick one movie per director, so I picked The Lighthouse over The Witch. It was a really tough decision, but right now... 
the lighthouse is my favorite. Maybe it's just a recency bias, but oh man, it's such a great movie. I mean, yeah, it's a you know the lighthouse is a, is a very relatable film for us here at the podcast. It's a film about the boys, you know, made by the boys, and it's for the boys. Um, you know, nothing more masculine than stranding yourself on an island with a with a much older gentleman. You know, really just hammering things out, you know, just drinking and yelling and breaking things. It's what we love to do. Yeah, and, you know, getting down into determining the mystery of uh, your compatriot's butthole and what's going on with it. Sounds that. like a Tuesday night, am I right? Hey! hey. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, uh, yeah, enough's probably been said about The Lighthouse. Uh, my number four is the only film in my top five that we have not yet talked about on the show. I would very much like to remedy that as soon as possible. Uh, my number four is a film called Raw from 2016 by Julia Ducournau. Uh, it's a Belgian cannibal uh, coming-of-age film about a young woman who goes to veterinary school has never eaten meat in her life, and as a hazing ritual, she is forced to eat, uh, I think, raw rabbit liver, something like that, and she discovers after that that she has an insatiable craving for flesh. Uh, very stylish film, extremely colorful, very violent and graphic. There's a lot of comparisons between her own sort of coming-of-age sexual awakening with her craving for meat, uh, it's a extremely visceral, powerful film, and I would love to talk about it on the show at some point. Wow, yeah, I wasn't expecting that to be so high up on your list. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about it. Maybe it's you've mentioned it in passing. It's definitely a unique film. I, I can't say I was as strong on it, but I'm sure upon a rewatch I'd glean some stuff I didn't notice the first time. Well, I've never seen it, but now I'm extremely curious, too, if it's that high up on your list. We'll do it on the show at some point. It'll be Excellent. one of my picks in the, in the future. Excellent. Yeah, um, I, I look forward to it. All right, Cleveland, what's your number three? My number three is Mandy. Cheddar Goblin. Man, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. Goblin. If that doesn't get you a Cheddar top three Goblin. pick, I don't know what does. All right? That's somehow absolute farcical nonsense and, in the same breath, masterclass acting from Nicolas Cage. And that film earned a very special place in my heart. I've still only seen it the once, but I, I plan to see it many, 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 many more times Another in the film future. that involves drinking heavily and screaming. Exactly. Just very like true. Just like The Lighthouse. It, I'm seeing a trend develop. It managed to actually make give me the the feeling of so many of the nostalgic films I love while very much so not sacrificing its own voice in the process. And that is a rare gift in films. It is ballsy. It is fun. But it also legitimately does have poignant moments in it for for as comedic and strange and off the wall as it is. I'm due for a rewatch myself. Um, so my number three is an Ari Aster joint. It's... Hereditary. I picked Hereditary over Midsummer. Interesting. There's another really close choice, but I think Hereditary has such striking scenes of darkness and such intense shot compositions and really an airtight script. What a great movie. Both of those movies are great. Both Midsummer and Hereditary. 
Um, Hereditary just inched it out, barely. I have nothing but good things to say about it. The score is great by Colin Stetson. Colin Stetson score, man. Um, Tony Collette is excellent in it. Well, moving from Ari Aster to Ari Aster, my number three is Midsummer. Uh, I have expressed multiple times on the show my deep love and appreciation for that film, so I won't reiterate. It is a completely stunning and unforgettable film experience. Uh, so, yeah, number three, Midsummer for me. My number two is The Witch. Dost thou like the taste of butter? You can't beat that. That moment, it makes my stomach drop. And then also puts butterflies in it in the same breath. What that film does for me, it makes me feel horrified and also like vicariously empowered by the end. Uh, it has so much to say and it does so much with such a small like set and simple location. Masterpiece film. I've, I've seen it at least five times and, and plan to see it many more times. Wouldst thou like the taste of butterflies? Am I right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Bring them on. All right, Ben. Uh, my number two is It Follows, a wonderful throwback to 80s horror sensibilities, stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street, while giving it its own unique original bent. Um, the soundtrack by Disaster Piece is excellent. It Follows is a movie I come back to over and over again, and every time it fills me with an unbelievable sense of anxiety in the best sort of way. Pretty much anything I think with the Disaster Piece soundtrack is worth checking out. Yeah, I would be inclined to agree. Uh, my number two is also It Follows. Uh, 2015 by David Robert Mitchell. I think that you're absolutely right about it evoking a, a sort of sense of 80s filmmaking, but I also appreciate how timeless It Follows is as well. It wears its influences on its sleeve, but it's not like an 80s style film set in the 80s. It's like, it could be any time. And you mentioned uh, setting things in Detroit uh, on our last episode Mm -hmm. when you talked about Don't Breathe. It Follows is another fantastic example of that. Uh, Yeah, the score is infectious. Uh, It's a a very terrifying and anxiety-inducing film. Also, like, how good it is for how little money they spent on it. Less than two million. Yeah. Well, sometimes simplicity is all you need. Yeah. And uh, it definitely plays into the conceit. Well, I think it should be an an inspiration to any aspiring filmmakers. Like, you can do so much with so little. All you have to have is a clear vision and the will to to get it done. Uh, It follows as, like, probably the, the indie horror darling of the decade, I would say. Like, I would also say it is the ideal example, like across pretty much any medium of how insignificant budget can be, if done right. Like, there are, there are so many trash horror films where their budget is greater by an order of magnitudes. And it just goes to show. Well, especially in the age we live in where the answer to filmmaking is just throw as much money at it as you possibly can and hope for the best. So many times, like, movies they spend over $100 million on do not come anywhere close to meeting their returns. Right. And it's like, well, because you've made a, a, a soulless uh, money dump, right. you know, a, a, a completely cynical example of filmmaking that you just want to entice people into the seats for opening weekend and you don't care if they come back or not because you've already got their money. Right. And, uh, and what's unfortunate is like in the same breath, as long as films like 
the nun or insidious chapter 12 like continue to do well they'll keep throwing massive right. amounts of money at those too honestly as long as there's room for movies like it follows to succeed i'm kind of okay with that well that's the, the thing that's always kind of baffled me with hollywood not to go with on a too much of a tangent but it's a good one to go to uh movie. as blockbusters continue to grow and grow in scope and budget the return on investment on those are pretty slim you know like in terms of percentage spent on these movies to percentage gained back the total amount they might gain might be a lot but they spend a lot too so in terms of multiples it's not that much meanwhile the best of four makes crazy multiples you look at stuff like paranormal activity blair witch making hundreds times of what their budget was. Right. And that's just because originality, inventiveness, a DIY attitude. We really need more of that in And I mean in terms nowadays. of in terms of just like naked numbers, like films like that don't do anywhere near as much money as, you know, shit like the fucking conjuring a million or, you know, the Marvel movies, but in You're, terms of return on investment. Exactly. Right. Because when you spend very little money on it, something like It Follows, you spend less than $2 million on it, it does $15 million opening weekend, which would be yeah, extremely for, modest For the price weekend. of one La Llorona, you can pay for like 10 It Follows. Exactly. And who oh, cares? well said. Eight out of 10 of them might be shit. You know, if two out of 10 on them, you'll make your money back, you know? Right. Words to live two, by, honestly. If those two are good, so... Well, I mean, you know... It, just like our recent conversation about Into the Dark on our Pilgrim episode for Thanksgiving, there's no way they're spending much money on those Into the Dark movies. And fine, you know, if they suck, then you haven't lost that much. But if you get a really, like, nice, shiny, golden one that does really well, and I mean, it's streaming service, so it's different than box office release, but your return is so much bigger on something that's cheaper I, and more successful. And going off of what I just said, I, I do want to say that at the end of this decade, we have seen a, a growth in distributors that are looking for those smaller budget yeah. titles in the realm that I'm talking about. People like A24 and Annapurna and yes. uh, Neon. God bless uh, A24, Cinestate. honestly. Um, there's so many great distribution companies nowadays that that's becoming a more viable alternative. Well, I think, I think I think this conversation is really worth having, too, since we're going yeah. through the best films of the decade, like bringing up the best production studios of the decade is 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 worthy. Well, I, I think just looking at my top 10 of the decade, I don't think really any of these movies would be considered like large budget films. Uh, you know, most of them are are indie films. That just goes to show that the best art is coming out of the people who have the purest vision and the least corporate capital interference. Mm-hmm. To continue, Cleveland, yes. on. your okay, favorite go. film of the decade. Okay, here we go. My favorite film of the decade was my easiest pick. Uh, I've been saying that this whole list could be switched around uh, across the board. This is, I think, the the strongest contender for me for number one. And it's a very it's a very personal pick, only because I felt that it spoke to me so specifically. Sure. Um, and, of course, we've, we've spoken about it on the podcast. It spoke to all of you. And I still haven't read the book. 
<laughs> Regardless, um, my my choice is Annihilation. The bear scene is so incredibly powerful for me. It's it's done largely with practical effects. The story itself is empowering, deeply impactful, and so creative. I love the concept of like the the Fey wilds, and this was like a scientific approach to that that unknown. And I, I grew up reading science fiction and and watching strange fantasy films, and just always having a deep love for that exploring those outer reaches and and what we do not understand and coming to terms with those things. And this film captures that better than so many other pieces of of media that I I I already adore. In a time where everything's been done to death, it was. Extremely gratifying. I cannot express how much I love this movie enough. And I can very well see why it wouldn't be many people's, like, favorite. Uh, why, why it might not even make either of y'all's lists as well. It was my number six. It personally spoke to me so deeply, and I, I would recommend it to to anyone, whether you're a fan of horror or not. Yeah, it's one of the one of the greater examples of science fiction horror of the decade, I would say, which yeah. is a a relatively underserved genre. Most sci-fi horror movies are kind of. You yes. know, but uh, and I would I would say of the past few decades, but that's coming from personal a lot of personal. Bias. Sure, yeah, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that objectively, but for me, well, none of is, this is objective anyway. So, yeah, true. You know. My number one, much like yours, is a very personal choice. Um, it's a movie that I feel like was made for me. Mandy is the cinematic equivalent of a prog rock concept album. It's bright, yeah. flashy. More than a little overindulgent and quite campy. Mandy is a movie that's so metaphysical, so clever, and so much fun. I can't ever stop thinking about it. It's a movie that really emphasizes, in my opinion, that horror can make you think a lot of the times, but sometimes horror is just to entertain. Mandy's a great example of that, while not being too shallow. A lot of what it does is actually quite clever. Oh, yeah, it definitely gets uh, into psychosis. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it doesn't stray away from being campy and over the top when it wants to be. And Nick Cage gives a career highlight performance in a career of highlights. I think you bring up a great point that horror can make you think, but that's not necessarily what it's about. I've always really strongly related to horror because I think that more than anything, horror should make you feel. The very idea of being afraid is is a non-intellectual thing. It's a primal thing. It's your gut reaction, despite your, your better judgment. Uh, I think that that's why horror is so relatable to so many people and why it can bring people together because you seek comfort when you're afraid. And, uh, and when I think we're all dead inside, it's nice to right. feel something. <laughs> My God, yes. <laughs> you're so right. But I, I think you're I think you're right. Mandy's a really great example of of a film that is not necessarily to make you think, but to to really make you feel. And it does that in spades. My number one film of the decade is The Witch. Um, I thought long and hard about whether I would prefer The Lighthouse or The Witch in terms of Robert Eggers' filmography, and uh, it's it's such a difficult decision. I, I rated both of them five stars, you know, and really what it comes 
down to is I love apple pie and I love blueberry pie, but I like one better. And if I have to choose, I'll take I'll take the blueberry. You know, it's the same with this. Like like you said, Cleveland, the witch is uh, is so evocative and and brooding and dark and uh, has such a sort of macabrely triumphant finale that just really has stuck with me and just so painterly as well, you know, in terms of the cinematographies. It's, it's a perfect film, top to the bottom, and like you, I've seen it many, many times now, and uh, it, it just continues to have such oomph every time I watch it. So, yeah, The Witch is my favorite film of the decade. Yeah, when it comes to comparing his films to pies, I mean, we're we're talking, like, five Michelins, like Michelin five-star pies. Michelin stars only go to three, Cleveland, if you were real Not foodie, these movies. you would know that. No, no, I do. <laughs> And I'm I'm sticking with it. Like that's you know, those are five Michelin stars. That's how good these films are. They better are, than Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, they're yeah yeah. Screw screw all them. They, these are better. This is it. Honestly though, like these are, these are exquisite films. All right. I mean, clearly they're at the top of our list. So. Well, yeah, man, making making this list was was tough. Yeah. Uh, because it's all Sophie's choice all the way down. Uh, like I said, I had twelve uh, films that I rated five stars from the decade, well, and, and so I had thing. to choose ten. This decade has been such a great decade for horror, especially in the second half of the decade. That that back nine, um, man. Like I said, mo- seven of my films on the list are post two. 2016. Yeah, I think all or but 2016. All onward, but yeah. two of mine were um, Piranha and the Guest being the only exceptions. And the Guest was borderline at the beginning of that yeah. turning point. On that note, uh, why don't we do just some honorable mentions of things that didn't make the final cut in no particular order? Before we do, I want to I want to make note also that considering how many of these like sophomore films made them made themselves onto our list yeah. this year if i was to to guess and project we're coming up it's going to get better from here like, I think so. That's that is what has me so optimistic, you know, for for horror. Like I'm, you can look outside and feel how you want about the rest of the world, but the the future for horror films looks bright. Well, that's a great point because so much of what would be considered like big tentpole films every year is just so much of the same, highly cynical, extremely expensive, commercialized franchise garbage, you know, that is is intended to make us regress, playing off of insane nostalgia so that we are constantly looking backwards and not forwards. And in that way, I think it's very easy to be pessimistic about the state of the film industry, but not horror. Yeah. I would say specifically horror as a genre, I think you're absolutely right. Like, the future is bright. It's giving me like, chicken skin, man. Look at that. You can see it from here. Ooh, goosebumps, man. Yeah, like, we've got, we've just had all of these young, talented, visionary horror auteurs emerge from out of the fucking blue this decade. And I think it's going to inspire more of those people to come out. And I think that the ones that we've already established, the Ari Astors, the David Robert Mitchells, the Robert Eggers. Well successful Jennifer, enough to be greenlit for other the works. The Jennifer Kents, like, it's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get better. So I, I think that you're absolutely well, right. Well, I mean, on top of that, there's more and more in real life to be scared of. Yes. And fear <laughs> is more and more common. 
And as fear becomes more common, realm of catharsis through horror is going to be more commonplace and more mainstream, which is great for us. <laughs> I think so. And you know what? Very specifically. I would... I would say, I think definitively, that I would rather feel afraid than feel nothing. At least in a, in a, in a sandbox like positive film environment. You know, like uh, I would, I would rather, I would rather feel something that lets me know I'm still alive and still human than just feel complete emptiness. As long as so, it's like encapsulated within like, the the safety of fantasy, I I'm inclined to agree. Outside of that, in real life, I'd rather feel bored than afraid. You maybe, know, maybe. Depending. I think I think that's to each their own. But anyway, let's throw out some other honorable mentions. Yeah, I'll start yeah, this time. Go for it. I mentioned throughout our list that a lot of the ones that y'all listed uh, ended up on my honorable mentions. The two films I rated five stars that didn't make it into the top ten uh, were Piranha 3D and Green Room. It was very hard to cut both of them out. I almost was like, well, I got a top 12 instead of a top yeah, well, 10. <laughs> I, uh, Green Room was an interesting one because I didn't add it to my list uh, because I wasn't sure if we would count it as horror. I didn't think um, it, I didn't think of it as horror the first time I saw it, but the last time I watched it... I was horrified. That's, I was because horrified. Because that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a movie I've been wanting to talk about. I, would, I think that that one falls well enough into okay. the realm of horror, okay. especially, especially considering Jeremy Saulnier's background with horror with stuff like Murder Party. I wouldn't really consider Blue Ruin a horror movie. No, no. Nor would I really consider Hold the Dark a horror movie. But I think Green Room, I think Green Room gets and there. That, it's, I, I, I do want to say Green Room is in the top ten of my movies in general of the decade. So I'd probably be number three if I had it on my horror list. It's um, a fucking fantastic it's film. A, I'd, it's be, an excellent I'd be more film. than happy to talk about uh, Green Room on this podcast. Some of my other ones. Yeah, why don't you just go through your list? Yeah, just some of my other ones. Hereditary, Don't Breathe, uh, Hush, all ones that y'all mentioned, really great ones. The Black Coat's Daughter, also mm -hmm. on mine. Uh, some of the ones that uh, we didn't mention that I definitely think deserve a shout out. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows. Yes. Uh, yeah. Probably my favorite yes. horror comedy of the decade. It was on my list for a little um, while. Yeah. It, yeah, that was number 11. For yeah, me. We, we will talk about that on the show at some point. That's a, a fucking phenomenal movie. Oh, I'd love to. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane as well we have talked about mm -hmm. on the show a really excellent suspenseful horror film i know i'm i'm alone in this for now because you still haven't seen the movie cleveland but the suspiria <laughs> the suspiria remake made it into my honorable mentions list yeah i, I do i do want to middleman that i really i want to come i would in love and for see, you to middleman that like, i need you to validate y'all have been really good and like haven't like gotten into the specifics of why yet like how why you feel differently we on it. this show, on the yeah, show, right? Have I've got show. I haven't listened to that episode so that I can, you know, maintain my own perspective when I go into it. And you know, like I, I grew up, like you know, like backstage of a dance studio, yeah. like and stuff. So it's. I, I think I feel like, like I could I could bring a good perspective I to could it. See I'm you sad liking I missed the opportunity. Both to, versions, to do it. honestly, for different reasons. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you would be the true middleman and that you would enjoy both of them. I'd be curious to see. I like, think when a film I makes think me you would. I would love for you to me to mediate and uh, and validate one of us, even if that person is not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well said. The last couple that I want to mention, uh, also films I would love to talk about on the show at some point. Uh, I saw The Devil, a Korean 
revenge horror film. Similarly to Green Room, it might not be a conventional horror film, but it's a serial killer story, and it is excruciatingly violent. That's a a really fantastic film as well. And lastly, uh, The Eyes of My Mother. Uh, I bring this one up last because the director of The Eyes of My Mother is doing the uh, Grudge remake, which is one of the films that we are predicting and one of our will be one of our first uh, episodes of 2020 as well. Um, the Eyes of My Mother is a very spooky indie art house film. Also, very short, only 70 minutes, but uh, stomach churning. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that one at some point. Which one do you want to go next? I'll, go I'll go. Um, well, uh, on my also rans. Uh, Your what? My also rans. They also ran for competition oh. on my list. <laughs> Obviously, The Witch, Midsummer, Us, um, all of the other director movies that I didn't mention on my list due to that stipulation. Ready or Not also would be on there. Oh, yeah. That was um, Cabin in the Woods, an excellent bit of uh, horror comedy. A Quiet Place was great. If you count it, we need to talk about Kevin and You Were Never Really Here, both by Lynn, Lynn Ramsey, are very, very dark, disturbing movies that border between horror and thriller really I well. I we need to talk about Kevin, but I did really like uh, You Were Never Really Here. What We Do in the Shadows is, like I mentioned earlier, probably my number 11. Tucker and Dale versus Evil oh, is yeah, also that's my another mentions. Great. For sure. Uh, horror comedy. Doing subversions right, that film. Yeah. It, it uh, really does. 10 Cloverfield Lane was super inventive. Yeah, I think that's all the, the main ones that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. Okay. So I started on my list a couple months ago. We were talking about it. I got excited to, to work through it. And you sent us, a uh, Ben, a list of you know, just like the horror films of the past decade. Yeah. And I wanted to try and make my list before I looked at it. The power of memory is an effective tool for ranking. If the film didn't stick with me, me looking like, oh, I remember that movie afterwards doesn't have much effect. I decided to try and make my list that way first. So there's a number of films. Most of these films were on my list at one point before either they were usurped by another film that I've seen in the past couple of months because wow. Um, <laughs> Or I really did just forget about some of the good ones because my memory is also trash. <laughs> so some of these films have a lot of bad moments in them as well. But the good moments I love dearly. Uh, the first one that just encompasses that perfectly is Prometheus. Uh, okay. The What I love about that film, I absolutely adore for the same reasons I was getting into Annihilation. I love the idea of, like, exploring the unknown. The special effects in that movie are fabulous. They still go back to practicals often. The C-section sequence is riveting. Gross, Like, yeah. and, and it's, apart from, like, the UI on the machine, like, it's all practical. That creature is is puppetry to make me feel that deeply unsettled. The statement that scene makes is so true to the core of the Alien franchise. I have to give it props. But, man, the engineers being stupid and <laughs> so many, and they're taking their helmets off. Off and just so many other like bird-brained logic, logical elements of that film just made it drop off my list very quickly. It's a very well-directed film, but not 
a great written film. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's very well said. From top to bottom, it's great, except for the writing is not great at all. Of course, The Babadook, we've all talked about that already. Get Out was was on my list for a good while, but I, I thought about the sequences in Us and what they did for me. I think it's just a matter of, like, the desired audience and, you know, whether that film, like, speaks to me personally or not. I think it's a masterpiece and it does it belongs at the top of anyone's lists. It was a hard choice. Honestly, Happy Death Day 1 and 2. I, I was just so caught off guard by those films. I, I really want to make a mention of just another great example of capturing like the bombast of like 80s sort of Spielbergian movies uh, and doing very much your own thing with it. The sequel feels like a Back to the Future spinoff. I, I, I adore. I adore Happy Death Day 1 and 2. Tucker and Dale versus Evil, as you've already said. Velvet Buzzsaw has some creative kills. And then lastly, this one, I have a deep hatred for it because it it, it was one of the key contributors to a lot of these trash, uh, high-budget spinoff horror films, and it has a lot of very, very big problems, and I, I wouldn't even consider it a good movie, but the Lipstick Demon in Insidious is very fun, and I, I still like that monster a lot. Darth Maul Ghost. Yeah. I love it. I think it, its appearance, like the jump scare when it's when it's behind her, is awesome. The first time I watched it, uh, I was watching it on Netflix, and the quality dropped during that scene, and I thought it was a stylistic approach. <laughs> um, it's a fun movie, and you know I'll, I'll give it that. It, it's not you know great, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Haunted house ride. Yeah, uh, yeah, Alien Covenant because the actual like hand drawn art that makes its way into the movie is everything I love. The Void was extremely close to being a a deeply loved film for me, but there were a couple of like personal factors. Where yeah, it fell The Void off. has some problems. I'd be down to do an episode on The Void at some point. Yeah, I'd rather cover a something like a Video Drone or like one of the classics that it was inspired by personally. And that's my problem with it is it it doesn't for me it doesn't sit among those yeah um i, I agree uh, with that. i haven't even seen video drum so but but examples like the fly body horror stuff yeah exactly cronenberg yeah. yeah you know that that movie is you know was kickstarted as like hey let's do a new cronenberg film essentially it didn't reach those levels the the cinematography i think didn't aid the puppetry as well as it could have mm-hmm. for whatever reason I, I don't think we'd count it but unedited footage of a bear was on the list so i just wanted to say <laughs> that was very funny. It's an adult swim short, but it was on the list you sent. So I just wanted to be like, "Why? What was that doing there?" Weird. But it is horror. I've never seen and it has elements of horror. It is horror. It, yeah. Like it's a short, so I guess it, it doesn't really belong. But I do love unedited footage of a bear, and I'm not going to say why because if you haven't seen it, just go, I, go I, watch I it on YouTube. I actually haven't seen oh, excellent. footage of a bear. Excellent. We'll have to, we'll have to play it at some point. Sure. We have we have a few minutes. Um, and then I don't know. Dead Snow was fun when it came out, and that's my list. Dead Snow was fun when it came out. Yeah. It's dated now, but I don't think it had the same quality, but for its time, it was a fun film. Yeah, I can agree with that. Some very good honorable mentions, uh, both you guys. Now I just want to take a couple of minutes. This will be pretty informal, but I did make a list of five films in no particular order that I thought were by far the worst horror films of the uh, 2010s. And these were not necessarily my lowest rated, but I discounted anything that was so bad that it was forgettable. I only picked these movies because they pissed me off. 
and I remember why they piss me off. Um, so I'm going to go through these real quick, and if y'all have any y'all want to add in, feel free. Um, first one, one that we have talked about on the podcast, uh, that is Slender Man from yep, 2018. That's on my worst uh, list. By far <laughs> one of the worst films of the decade. <laughs> Taking everything that made the creepy pasta creepy and intriguing and all of that shit. Everything that made Marble Hornets was at the time the Slender Man movie just completely missed the point. Man, I'd be curious to see how the beginning of Marble Hornets, like of that YouTube series, holds up. I rewatched the first season of it after Slender Man, and it has not aged the best, but mm-hmm. the I mean the acting is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. It always was. Mm-hmm. Uh but the we were in high school when that came yes, out. So uh, was like... the creepy moments I think are still creepy, despite the fact that Slender Man is kinda old and tired at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and its origin is like easily trackable right sure uh but yeah that movie was just so fucking bad clearly one of the worst examples of boomer horror where old people are writing young people's dialogue and it just sounds like things that would never come out of a teenager's mouth the cg is bad slender man looks like shit that that subgenre of old people writing for young people is the same trope of bad horror that's in stuff like countdown or friend request friend request also on my list that one another one we've talked about on the show pissed me off a lot laughable interpretation of the true horror that you could actually pull out of social media and uh just turning it into a by the numbers bullshit ghost story thank you for bringing up friend request that one got that one out of the way for me the next one i want to mention briefly is the cabin fee remake also on my list almost a shot for shot remake of the original eli roth film which is one of my favorite horror films of all time and somehow they managed to just completely neuter everything that was hilarious and horrifying about the original cabin fever it is an affront to yeah. that film's it legacy. It misses the spirit of the original. Yeah, it's almost sure. shot for shot, but it com- it's completely devoid of the soul of Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever's legacy has had a very tough time in the past couple decades between that and the really awful Cabin Fever sequel. Which I never saw. Out. Um, directed by Ty West, oddly enough. Yeah, but what an awful! I know. Awful I was I was so mad at the end of that movie. Like that's one of those movies that has me like screaming at the television. Going off of that, one movie that was so bad that I had to mention it on my dishonorable mentions was Piranha Three Double D. Now, for a sequel to Piranha Three D, where piranhas are set loose on a water park. You'd expect it to be a fun romp, especially with the spirit of the original. Right. Uh, The problem is it is no fun, and it completely misses the point and the the fun of the original, and is just an awful, awful mess. Is it exploitative? I I haven't seen it. The title makes me wonder. Uh, Just not just not funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the first one was exploitative in an exploitation, right? Kind of, as in, it is an exploitation know, film, film in a genre movie type yeah. of way. This one feels like sleazy, but not as fun or funny. 
yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but your recommendation has definitely put me off, especially how much I love Piranha 3D. Don't think I need to see that one. The last two I have, uh, the first one is Devil, the M. Night Shyamalan-produced film about a group of people being stuck in an elevator, and one of them is the devil. Ah, yes. Weirdly enough, I saw it in theaters when it came out, uh, when I was about 16 or 17, and I loved it at the time. Rewatch it in college with that nostalgia of being like, oh, yeah, this is a great fun I was about movie. to say, that's got to be right at the cusp of a decade. I couldn't believe how incredibly I had turned around on it. Like, the writing is insulting. All I'll say is point to the security guard character who, as an example of knowing when the devil is nearby, is if you throw a piece of toast up in the air and it lands butter side down, that means the devil is present. That's all I'm going to say about that movie movie because i'm getting heated just talking about it and i'm not going to do myself any favors with this next one because if i did have to rank these this one would be by far at the very very deepest darkest rock bottom and that is megan is missing I, <laughs> that was a punishment that movie. was a punishment uh, from one of our very early podcast episodes, I lost the contest, the game we were playing, and I think, uh, was it you or Eugene? Eugene. Who, Eugene assigned me Megan is Missing to, to watch by myself and do a solo review. You can go back and listen to that for more details, but not only is it just a very ugly film to watch, a found footage style thing where barely anything happens, it ends with a protracted rape and murder scene of a 14-year-old girl, and I, I don't remember the last time I've been so disgusted by a movie. I was horrified in the wrong way. That's another one where I was, I was by myself watching that, just hurling obscenities at my television. By far the worst film of the decade, uh, horror or otherwise, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and... Whew, Usa, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Get, uh, let it all out. Well, I mentioned the haunting of Sharon Tate last week, so I won't go into a rant on that again. Um, but that's definitely on my worst. Another worst is the Death Note Netflix movie. Yeah, that's oh, a bad one. You watched um, it. I did. I did too. I. Mm, I'm sorry, guys. You did. Thank, thanks. It. Thanks for watching it, so I didn't have to. <laughs> the forest I thought was uh, pretty terrible. But for that one was one that was forgettable for me. It was really bad, but I barely remember it. There is a movie called The House at the End of the Street, starring Jennifer Lawrence. Exploitative, awful, terrible movie. The heroic parents smoke crack in that movie. That's all I remember from Yeehaw. It. Do you have any picks, Cleveland? I do. I wrote some down. I tried to block, you know, most of the ones that, that really irk me out of my mind. And to be fair, usually when I watch horror films, I tend to watch them like on friend recommendations. That's usually with most media I cover. Like it's usually I, I, I won't touch it unless I get a friend recommendation or it's part of a series that I love or, you know, a known, a known creator until we start doing the podcast. And we started covering literally everything. A lot of my picks are from the past couple years uh, as I've started to become more subjected to not only so bad they're good movies of the past decade, but but also just, just bad. Film, bad films as I, I generally try to avoid them. That said, it can be good to watch them occasionally just to remember why bad. The first one is uh, from this year, and we already talked about it, I think, last episode, and that's The Perfection. We've talked about it on the podcast. Fuck that movie. Nuff said. I'm not getting into it. The other one is Glass from this year 
also fuck that movie. I'm not getting into it. I really offended you. Yeah, Um, uh, yeah. Perfection more if I had to pick. It's a worse film. It's a worse film, and what it does wrong is more reprehensible. Agreed. Morally. Also, the last Saw movie. I think it was the last, the one that we covered on the podcast. Oh yeah, Jigsaw. Oh yeah, Um, that one was bad. It it was really bad, and it baffles me how long the franchise has gone missing the point of the first movie, especially after going back and watching the first film and seeing like, oh yeah, it's a tight little low budget script that you know like analytically processes you know like the very small events and it's contained and it's airtight might be a little generous but it's fun and it it does what it sets out to do fine yeah and ever since then they've just been ramping up the traps ramping up the traps and then this movie tried to do like a weird reboot and not ramp up the traps even as much as some of the prior films with the big like car events and yeah. all the rest of it like it never gets that crazy I, I just remember like there it's in like a it's in a barn and there's some grain and that's it I remember very little of that movie yeah it's it's very low effort and I I generally can't stand that I shouldn't expect it from the Saw franchise there's another one coming out soon we're gonna get into well yeah more uh, on that uh, shortly yeah, uh, just doing a little foreshadowing shadowing but i think that there are more things you can do with that premise and that that concept and for a lower uh, budget it's, too it's so it was just kind of weak. i mean i think jigsaw really missed what i was looking for in a saw movie and what i'm looking for usually in those movies are ridiculously convoluted plots with rube goldberg machine yes. uh traps essentially yes. agreed yeah like if it is gonna go all out balls to the wall like as long as it's fun but you know that that movie just hits a, a lukewarm all right that's the both. thing that's why i enjoy the later saw sequels even though they're bad movies sure. is because they're usually pretty fun and like ben said Rube Goldberg kind of right. traps and also I would say Rube Goldberg uh, kind of plot lines mm-hmm. uh, that are largely devoid of logic but somehow get you from point A to point B in the most convoluted and circus like manner possible <laughs> well said well, yeah, and like and the first one is like it's kooky but it's trying to be like seven you know it's trying to be like Zodiac well the, the first one's like, like and, the first and, one's a little I, bit different because it's more self-contained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but by the sixth one, right. Jigsaw is oh, I mean, by the second, killing people. Like once Daryl Lynn Bowsman uh, took over, it got whack. In the sixth one, Jigsaw is killing people for smoking. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, li- like, I would say I would say past Saw 2, maybe Saw 3, you could really just, like, mute the audio and just put on circus music. Just like it would be, it would be basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, there are a few other like offenders, but for the most part, they're not really worth tracking through. I just say like, go watch a better movie. All right. Well, we've spent a lot of time looking backwards, but now we're gonna look forwards. It's time for our yearly predictions. Uh, this year, we uh, went ahead and compiled our predictions ahead of time to try to uh, sort of speed things up a little bit. Uh, but this year, 
we did add an additional prediction. Uh, rather than just Rotten Tomatoes and uh, opening weekend box office, we've also gone ahead and given these films a preliminary rating, i.e. what we think we're going to end up rating them based on what little we know. Um, so that's just a fun bonus points thing. But Ben, this is a list that you have compiled for us. This is the third year we've done this. First two years, uh, we covered a little less. Um, as it's gone on, we've put more and more movies. I think the first year had 12, last year had 16. This year has 20 to follow suit. Um, four new ones every time, it seems like. Um, but we have a lot of movies coming out that I think are interesting and worth a quick shout out. Uh, I don't think we really need to go into our specific predictions, uh, but rather let's just talk about the movies and give a brief scope of what we're feeling. And then we can talk about our specific prediction numbers uh, when they come up this coming year. Keep it a surprise. I'm into that. I'm into that. Um, Okay, so uh, we have 20 movies. Out of those, 17 of them have a release date, which is actually quite good um, compared to the past. But the first one uh, we have is one we mentioned a little bit earlier. It's the new Grudge movie. Yes, this is the third year that this is on our predictions list. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. We have a couple Um, of those. uh, Yes, we do. Um, This one has been in a little bit of development hell, so to say. I'll say. Um, But it's directed by the guy who did Eyes of My Mother. Trailers are already out by the time this episode comes out. uh, I believe it will have come out, if not next week. Yeah, so this movie's already out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My expectations going in are intrigued, but low. The trailer has me neutral. I, I'm not. I'm not excited for it, but I'm. I'm. I'm curious. See, it's. A, I, I could be. I could be thrilled. I don't know. It's a mixed bag for me because I love the eyes of my mother, and I think that that director, whose name I'm shamefully blanking on, uh, is. Uh, is a filmmaker to look out for, so I would I want to naturally be excited for this film. The trailer has me thinking that it's gonna be more of a run of the mill horror movie. The I trailer looks like it's been focus tested too much. Is I haven't the vibe seen, I get from it. I haven't seen, especially considering its de- delays, the original Grudge nor sense. the American remake. So uh, I, I don't have uh, too much of a base to go off of in terms of of the story. But uh, my concern with this one is that it's going to be another case of like uh, an indie art house filmmaker having success with with a, a, a tiny horror movie and then this, a studio being like, here, we'll give you all this money to direct the remake of this. Yeah, give them a yeah. license title. I, I think it's mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm scared that it's going to be lights uh, out, all especially over again. with the production delays and it coming out in January. Yeah, um, I, I will say I uh, aesthetically from the trailers, it looks decently shot yeah um, it looks more like interestingly shot than your yes. uh you know your conjuring 60 yeah um i'm i'm holding out i'm holding out hope for this one speaking of cool aesthetics uh our next film on top of that is underwater under what this movie has gotten several trailers. It's coming out and they look great. on January 10th. Uh, the aesthetic looks excellent. It has a, an interesting cast with uh, Vincent Castle and uh, Kristen Stewart um, and T.J. Miller. T.J. Donkey Punch Miller. Don't at me. 
I think this movie looks really good. I get a little nervous that it's uh, in January and it's PG-13, but I think it might succeed despite that. Yeah, there'll be plenty of films for that the best. come out in January. The, the, trailers look, fine. the trailers look great. Yeah, it looks like Alien meets... It looks like Alien uh, Underwater. Meets Sphere? The Abyss. The Abyss, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It looks like Alien meets The Abyss, and I think those are both great movies. Yeah, it's it's got... It has a lot of good potential. It, it's definitely got the alien vibe for me. Uh, I'm trying to not lean on that too heavily because almost certainly it will not be as good as Alien. Um, the monsters is, we see look Lovecraftian as well, and that's yeah, really, I, that's I, a good sign. Yeah, I like some Lovecraftian horror. It looks like they're, we're going to see Kristen Stewart fighting some fish people at the yeah. bottom of the ocean. It could be cool. PG-13 makes me a little nervous always. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, I'm, mm. I'm always just kind of in the vein of, if it's horror, just make it R-rated. We've had this discussion before. I'm hopeful for this one, though. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks good, but I'm also prepared. Yeah, don't don't take PG-13, this out of context, but there's only so many ways. And is, fuck you, it's January. Yeah, yeah. PG-13 thing is actually, I think, good for its box office um, because I think yeah, it, sure. it'll get more people in the seats. But if it starves its creativity, that could be problematic. We'll see. I just uh, don't don't uh, soundbite this out of context, but uh, there's only so many ways you can make drowning people interesting. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> so. uh, okay, what's next, Ben? Uh, the Turning, based on the, the novella The Turning of the Screw by Henry James. This movie has also been in production hell for a while. Originally said to be produced by Steven Spielberg um, before he dropped off due to scheduling conflicts. It stars Finn Wolfhard and a few other people. Um, trailers have been out for this yeah, one. Yeah, the the chick, the the protagonist, I can't remember her name. She's the, the chick who's in uh, the new Terminator movie, Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, she's the, the good robot lady in that. Wait, there was a new Terminator movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I really hope that they, they tame the, the screw. I love that play. Uh, um, yeah, this movie, I've seen the trailer for it about a bajillion times at this point. It, it seems to always be whenever we go to see a movie in the theater, there's a trailer for this movie. It looks fine. It looks like a horror movie. I've never read The Turn of the Screw. I have seen The Innocence, which is uh, one of the several film adaptations of that from the mid to late 1950s, I believe. That film is quite nice. Uh, It's very beautifully shot, uh, so I'm semi-familiar with the story, but, you know, this looks like kind of standard horror affair to me. Big haunted house. It doesn't look bad. It, like it aggressively looks, bad. I kind of like the aesthetic, yeah. but it's it's a fucking haunted house. Take movie, it or leave it. I don't know? think we'll be seeing this for the podcast. I think not. We're not planning agreed. on seeing it in the theaters. At least it might be one of our catch up, our 2020 catch up movies. Who knows? But uh, well, sometimes if a film does well and it gets more critically acclaimed than expected, sure. we can always go back. Our plan right now is not to talk about it on the show, but who knows? Um, anyway, moving on. Okay, uh, next movie is Gretel and Hansel. I'm so excited for this I one. I want this movie to be good, and I hope it does well. This is the new uh, Oz Perkins film, who is the director of The Black Coat's Daughter, mm-hmm. and I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house, uh, which I still haven't seen. You are the pretty thing that lives in the house. Thank you, Cleveland. You're welcome, Tease. Gretel and Hansel, yeah, it looks like a, a more uh, stylized take on the Grim Fairy Tale. Uh, it seems to be going back to basics. The Grim Fairy Tales are actually quite spooky in, yes. uh, in their written form. It stars the uh, chick whose name I'm once again blanking on. Uh, uh, it 
Yes, who played Beverly in It Chapter One, Young oh, Beverly. Excellent. It looks really good. I like Oz Perkins as a as a horror director. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, the cinematography. Yeah, looks I'm good. I'm hopeful. Um, I wasn't completely sold on the trailer just yet, but the fact that it's getting a wider release mm-hmm. makes me happy for him. That's coming out at the end of the month. Um, so the next movie after that is The Invisible Man. I know they were trying to do a dark cinematic universe. I have been hearing that this is that they're saying that this is still technically part of the, yep, the universe. That's why I mentioned universe. it. But yeah. I also hear that it doesn't look like it. So that well, that's bodes better. It definitely looks better than the mummy and I also That's not rem- hard. I yeah, I also remember that they were saying originally that Johnny Depp was going to be the lead in The Invisible Man, which is why I thought that they had just scrapped the dark universe because he's not in this one. I mean, thank, thank God. God. Yeah. But he you <sighs> know there was that uh there's that promotional image going mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. of uh, of the dark universe people, you know, uh, all <laughs> If you want to laugh in, look uh, it up, it's pretty good. Yeah, all in in black t-shirts uh sitting in an empty room yeah, maybe in like the early 2000s but not that, now that johnny, we're, we're that, over that and johnny depp was in that so mm-hmm. I, I i was excited to see that he's no longer attached yeah. to this yeah, that said uh you guys watched the trailer i walked out of the room i didn't want to i, I didn't storm out of the room but I, I wasn't i chose to not watch the trailer because you i, I want to go, go in a little more blind for this movie because i'm it sounds like there are some subversions and I, i'm curious what those will be so i'd rather go in it not knowing seems anything. like they're taking a fairly contemporary angle on yes, this it's film. Modernized. Uh, Elizabeth Moss uh, stars, and it's a very uh, post-Me Too take on uh, The Invisible Man in a very unique way. Um, I'm excited. It's written and directed by Lee Wanell, right? Yep, uh, of Upgrade. Oh, Splendid. Fam. That's mm-hmm. a good sign. And who wrote the original Saw, as mm-hmm. we were talking about. Yes, um, wonderful. Wrote and starred in, yeah. Okay, cool. Because um, I, I, I read Invisible Man. I love H.G. Wells' work, and I think the it's, Invisible it's Man, right for a modernization. The Invisible Man is my favorite H.G. Wells. Mm. Uh, and the Claude Rains film from the 30s is fantastic. It's one of my we'll favorite. We'll almost certainly be covering that at the same time. I, I, I hope so, mm-hmm. yeah. I would like to. Um, it's it's one of it's one of my favorite old Universal monster movies yeah. is the Invisible Man. So I want this film to do well once again. The dark universe thing that spooks me in the wrong way. <laughs> it could from, be it from could the be trailer. It seemed like there was a a healthy dose of Leigh Whannell post-upgrade camp to it. Yeah, it looks like there's um, some camp, and it looks like, based on the trailer, there's also some genuinely creative uh, set pieces. Uh, I'm curious to see how how much they'll push those. So, generally optimistic, I would say, for yep, this film. and that is coming out in March. On the same day that comes out, on the 13th, our next movie, Godzilla vs. Kong, comes out. Um, directed by Adam Wingard of The Guest and Your Next fame. He also did, unfortunately, one of my dishonorable mentions, Death Note. Um, and The Blair Witch. And and the Reboot. new Blair Witch. But I'm hopeful. I think if they make it colorful, Kong Skull Island was quite good. So I think it has potential to be fun. I grew up on kaiju movies. I love them. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm uh, only concerned because the previous Godzilla film, which I did not see in theaters, but I did hear it focused a little bit too much on the human drama side and we didn't get enough monsters. As long as I hear in reviews that, like, we get plenty of monster action, I'll be happy to see this in theaters. But if it focuses too much, like, on the, the human drama and... 
misses the ball, then I'm, I might be less down. I'm going in with very low expectations for this one, unfortunately. Same. I, I think it's a healthy one. I, I thought Kong Skull Island was fun, but not great. And uh, the the Gareth Evans Godzilla reboot I thought was okay at best. And the most recent one that came out in 2019, uh, King of the Monsters or whatever, thought that one was trash. I love kaiju movies uh, like you do. I actually grew up watching the original King Kong vs. Godzilla on VHS all the time. There's this fantastic scene where King Kong fights with an octopus, and they put a real octopus on uh, on a uh, King Kong puppet, and it scared the piss out of me as a kid. And uh, <laughs> I, I still mem- remember that scene vividly, and I I don't know. I, I'd just be curious to see, too, like how they equate the two monsters, because like Kong gets up to Godzilla's knee. I, I really yeah. I, and, and one is a giant fire that is a literal dragon. I, I don't. A, I just a new, don't see a nuclear how. dragon. Yeah, exactly. Like what the fuck? How a nuclear space dragon? Like how is that? Like how is like a comparatively tiny gorilla gonna do? anything so i'm curious i'm curious to see how they they play that i i want this one to be fun same i'm expecting very little yeah. uh, i think we are gonna see this one in the theaters i i would like to wait to see how I the initial like rele- in the re- reviews i voted no on this I... one but i'm willing i'm willing to go so uh we'll we'll see if it's if it like comes out and like it's largely like panned i i don't want to waste my money but if if it isn't I'll, I'll i'll gladly go see it we'll we'll address that later yes uh moving on so uh, we had four movies coming out in January, three coming out in March. The third is A Quiet Place 2. With the same team as the first one, John Krasinski writing and directing it. CIA Jim, uh, <laughs> for you Jack Ryan fans. Uh, uh, Office I, Ryan. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I, I really enjoyed the first one quite a bit. I think if they are as inventive with the second one as with the first, it'll be a lot of fun and super interesting. I loved the first one as well. Uh, I'm nervous because I don't think that A Quiet Place needed a sequel. That being said, that the fact that the entire original team is attached is a good sign. What is not a good sign is that we still haven't seen any trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, once again, I'm going to be very hopeful for this one. I'm going to go in expecting the best. Uh, and Terminator yeah, didn't need a down. sequel either. Well, I mean, you know, and, and in so, fairness, you're right, fair, you know, fair, fair, fair. Us didn't have its first trailer until mid-December, and that movie came out in March as well. So That's true as well. We might get that very soon. Um, I think we, it'll do well regardless. Yeah, we are recording this a little ahead of time, so in, yeah, that's in true. the meantime... When this episode comes out, there might change. there might actually be a trailer for yeah, A Quiet Place. Yeah, um, will. Uh, so the next movie is one of those that has been on our list for a while. It's, it's not so new. <laughs> yeah, it's the not so new mutants. The uh, X-Men themed horror movie. I want it to be good. I want it to be good as well. But uh, dubious. But, well, yeah, once again, the fact that this one was on our list, uh, this is the third year in a row we've had this one on our list, uh, that means significant reshoots due to focus testing and that is almost always a bad sign. I think this one will do well commercially. It's a Marvel film. It's a superhero film. They always do well. Am I going to like it? Eh, that's pretty dubious. The thing I'm worried about is it seems like 
I've been saying for a while the superhero genre just needs to do weirder, more inventive stuff. Yeah. And this seems like it. You know, they're doing a genre piece within a genre piece, essentially. Well, right. It seems um, like... Also, like, the, having read a good deal of X-Men, there's a great... There's ample room for horror. Well, the yeah. thing is, ample is, it, room. is it seems like a true horror film, unlike other horror superhero stuff like Hellboy, which is, you know, horror-tinged, you know, comic book stuff... Based on the trailers, this one does seem like what you would more consider the traditional definition of a horror film. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that in, that does still intrigue me. Yeah, the comics, even the classic ones, they get into some great, some great horror, and yeah. I would I would love to see that adapted properly. Well, once again, like I think it's a good idea, but I think it worries Azar. me because I have a feeling it's going to be a half measure, mm -hmm. um, and especially considering it's been in production hell for so long, it's been delayed for so long. Usually, a sign of focus testing and reshoots. Well, that was the thing. I think there was a there was a trailer for it already when we did our predictions last year. So the there's fact, a trailer in 2017. Right. I'm so the fact, sure. the Ooh. fact that the, that the trailer has been out that long and that they've pushed the movie back two years guarantees reshoots, mm -hmm. uh, that, cause that means they were ready to release that movie and then something made them hold up for another two, almost three years that's an extremely bad sign. Yeah. With that said, great cast. Yes. True. True. Uh, Very good cast. Uh, so next film is Antlers. I already forgot. Which one is that? I keep thinking of Del the... Toro. We've oh yeah, with the kid, it looks yeah. awesome. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. You know what it is? I, I I keep I keep hearing that title, and I keep thinking it's Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. Honestly, and forgetting. same. Like I, oddly enough, it's, it's just it's such a it's it's such like a, it's a it's a one you know word title. It's ambiguous, so I just I, my brain fills in for something else. No, it does look good, even though I I, I have already forgotten I'm, what it was. I'm super duper hyped. For yeah, this it looks one. great. It looks based great. off of only <laughs> based off of only the trailers. It looks very very up my alley. I don't have a problem with the name, the, too. Just, the thing I'll say know. about it is the fact that it's just produced by Del Toro doesn't sure. necessarily indicate quality. He's produced yes. some duds. Yes. Definitely. Um, so I'm a little cautious. The trailer has got me excited, but there's been bad movies in the past with good trailers, so if I'm, I'm being cautiously optimistic. If I'm being completely honest, I was also very excited by Mama from the trailers, and that's another Del Toro produced horror movie that ended up being a despite how exciting the trailers made it look that being said i guess i'm a scrub but i'm still really excited by <laughs> i'm really excited about this movie it looks really good but you know it could be absolute dog shit and if it is when we talk about it i will pan the fuck out of it because like i always say the potential to be good is what always makes me the most mad when it's not true so i think this, yeah all right, so I think next up is Saw Organ Trail. <laughs> yep, Untitled Saw Project, also known uh, with the working title The Organ Donor. But what's different about this one, Ben? Uh, well, it's definitely not its director. Uh, its director, Darren Lynn Bowsman, has directed past Saws, but, but it is written and produced and starring Chris Rock. And I think that's a good sign. Of all fucking people. And it also stars Samuel L. Jackson. I support the shit out of this movie, good or bad. And I know I was talking earlier about like how great it would be for the Saw franchise to go back to its roots. But in the other direction, it could be great if it went wacky. And 
I could see it being either one. You know, there's a lot of like comedy actors and stars right now who are trying to branch into like more serious genres. It could be that. I doubt it. It's probably like a super wacky fun movie or whatever. Either way, honestly, I'm keen. I want to know. I hope it goes campy and exploitation heavy. And I think the signs point in that direction, especially with Darren Lynn Bowsman on board and Chris Rock. It would be better considering the director. My instincts tell me that this is going to be a disaster. Yeah, but maybe it's going to be a fun one. But I'm hoping for a fun fun disaster. It'll be a fun disaster. I think it's going to be. How wacky would it be if it ends up being like a really like classy subversion of the genre how Dude, fucking weird wacky with especially with darren lynn Bowles on directing. that on that day i will eat my words yeah i, I will happily uh, i will happily eat my words and i i just i hope it's not like an awkward middle ground like that's that's all i don't want yeah it. no yeah, anything I, else i'll probably be satisfied i hope it's i hope it's uh it's subversive or it's ridiculous mm-hmm. nothing in between yep. mm-hmm. um so new mutants and antlers come out in april uh, the new Saw comes out in May. Um, we have one movie in June as well, and that's the new Candyman, um, produced Woo-hoo. and written by Jordan Peele. Yes. He was originally attached to direct the last time we talked about it on our Candyman episode, but that is no longer the case, correct? Yeah, I think for a while he hasn't been directing it. I think from the beginning he's been writing it and producing it. Um, the directing has been kind of up in the okay, air. Okay, I thought I thought um, he was attached to direct. But Tony Todd is reprising his role. Confirmed. And, uh, the idea of them returning to Cabrini Green after it's been gentrified is a really interesting, unique idea. I'm, I'm really, really excited. excited. Yeah, the the director we looked him up. He hasn't really done anything else of note, but the fact that yeah, she uh, she yeah, she uh, directed a movie this year called Little Woods. I haven't seen it. Okay, but we it might have to check Tessa out. Thompson. I'm willing to check that out before before Candyman because the fact that you know it's kind of an unknown can definitely be a good thing. You yes. know, a lot of great stuff has come out of unknown. And the fact that Jordan Peele trusts this person to direct, you know, his writing speaks very, very well. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited regardless. Indeed. That one is coming out in June. And then following that, we have three movies coming out in July. First off is the new Purge movie. I have Purge no Five. Y'all carry on. I am quite excited. The Purge is a surprisingly fun, entertaining series of horror movies. Movies. I saw. I thought the last one, the first Purge, was actually surprisingly good. My favorite of the Same. four. I think it's, and I was it was not my favorite that. as well. Um, they took it in a, an interesting and unique direction. Um, one thing we did mention with the original Purge series when we covered it is it seems like every other movie is good. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous. Um, but it's the but, same. It's the same director, right? What's his face? Who's done all of them? Well, it's written and produced by James Monaco. Okay, uh, it's not it's directed a different by director. James Monaco. Okay, who knows? Hopefully, it's good. Uh, I like the fourth one quite a bit, and I th- I think it's a fun series. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm staying I'm staying middle ground on that one because there's four Purge movies so far. I think two of them are trash and two of them are worth watching. So we'll see which one this is. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. Ghostbusters 2020. I ain't afraid of no sleep. Yeah. So I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid of this movie. New <laughs> Ghostbusters directed by Jason Reitman. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the originals, has a whole new cast. 
um, with extra bit parts for Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray to pass the baton down, so to say. Uh, There's a sliver it, of, of a chance. Yeah, There's yeah. There's a small sliver of a chance it could be good, but man, my expectations are, are, this are is, low. I wouldn't know about going into it any other way. This is for sure one of my lowest expe- expectations uh, for a movie in 2020. I love the original Ghostbusters, but man, everything around this movie just... just, re- just reboot culture in general. It, like, screams, it screams nostalgia porn. Well, yeah, down like, to the, the fact the that The cast they, wasn't the problem with the last Ghostbusters down, movie. Down like, to the fact me. that they got the, the son of the director who did the originals it's like it's name recognition dan Aykroyd and bill murray they're wheeling them out yeah Yeah, they're they're pasted all over this like bill murray hasn't given a shit about anything he's done in fucking decades Uh, dan Aykroyd is a crazy person everything about this one is alarm bells for me yeah let let them sleep i'm willing to be wrong but this sounds like a disaster i hope it's fun maybe it'll be fun disaster speaking of disasters morbius drinking a 40 in a death basket. Yeah, so it's it's Morbius, which, uh, if Another. you're not familiar, is he's a supervillain who is a vampire, an evil supervillain vampire. And this is from the same writing and production team that brought us Venom. And this one stars one Jared Leto in his true typecast role as a vampire. Uh, my man I will, is a vampire. I will say my number this for this one suck. for the for what I think the box office is going to be. But I do want to tell you how I came to that number. And that is I took the box office scores for Venom and I just cut it in half. <laughs> So I'm just, I will say though I like Morbius as a character generally. Like I remember him like in the X Men cartoon series when I was a kid and thinking he was kind of spooky and fun. But I've also grown up now and I don't know if I feel the same way. I so, don't know anything about this character other than that he's a Spider Man villain and that he's a vampire. Uh, I think that's about it. This is gonna. He's a vampire, but not through normal means. This is gonna suck. I hope it is at least uh, fun to watch. I'm expecting fucking Joker shit from Jared Leto. Yep, I expect an absolute train wreck. Yeah, and I'm kind of here. For I, it. I will say <laughs> the production team did let Tom Hardy go kind of nuts on set for Venom. I never and saw Venom. Jared, so I can't Jared speak, Leto yeah. being given any amount of reins. Venom is, was could could have potential uh, for comedy. At times, felt like a cheap upgrade knockoff. Even though it's the big budget one, upgrade was better in most ways. Oh yeah, but Tom Hardy did give a fun performance. And I think overall it's kind of a fun movie. I still need to get around um, to it at some point. So those three are coming out in July. Uh, we have two movies coming out in September. We have uh, the Con Job 3. Yep, The Conjuring 3. No. That's all um, I have to say about this one. No. My yeah. pun stands. Well, after their, their 72 Conjuring spinoffs, they pro- uh, finally come back to the main series. The question is, will anyone give a shit? No. Please. No, we will. Please stop. No. Please. Uh, All I have to say, no. <laughs> Moving on, yep. our next film Where is... Where the Soho's at? God damn it. <laughs> All these fucking puns. <laughs> the next movie is called Last Night in Soho. It's a new Edgar Wright movie. His first foray into straight horror. Um, psychological horror inspired by uh, movies like Don't Look Now and Repulsion. 
Um, I'm quite excited for this. I think uh, Edgar Wright is a pretty solid director, and Repulsion is one of my all-time favorites, and to hear it's inspired by that gets me excited. Yeah, I think when Edgar Wright's on, he's really on. Uh, I'm kind of lukewarm on some of his stuff, but I'm very curious to see what he's going to do in the horror camp because I, you know, I, th- I think he's overall, like you said, a solid filmmaker. Know very little about this. Don't look now sucks, but Repulsion is great. So uh, I'm hopeful for this one as well. I am neutral. Haven't seen the previous work, uh, but Ben, I do want to say uh, before we move on to the next one that. I'm sorry about all these puns, and I will try and Halloween myself off of them for you. God damn it! <laughs> hey, what, Ben, what's the next movie? I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this, you monster. <laughs> yes. Halloween kills Cleveland. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the new Halloween movie. Uh, Halloween 4, right? No. Oh, why did I put 4 on my list? I don't, I don't know. know. I thought Why I was doing a double for? pun when I made that pun bit. No. I could have just said I'll Halloween myself off these puns. You yep. Know? I don't know. There's been a lot. Of, there's been like 10 of those. You, reap, you reap what you sow, Cleveland. <laughs> I did. I've, I've sown the wind. Um, yeah, it's directed by the same team as the last one. An underrated, pretty solid film. Yeah, we talked about uh, that on the show. This one's also, classic. you know, written by the same team. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. David and Gordon Green. David Gordon Green uh, writing it. Yeah, I, I think it should be fun. Not the best name. Yeah, the but... title the title sucks, but I'm very excited for the movie otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I thought the, the Halloween reboot was fantastic. One of the, the best horror films of 2018. If everybody, all the same cast and crew is attached, then hell yeah, I have no reason to believe that this won't be a very fun, probably spooky movie. They're shooting this one and the third one, Halloween Ends, at the same time in a row, um, which is always interesting. Um, so the last three I have here um, do not have a firm release date yet. The one I'm most confident in the release for is Army of the Dead. This is a Netflix uh, Zack Snyder film about a heist that goes on in Vegas during the zombie apocalypse. I will be the first to say that Zack Snyder sucks shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But his best movie. That's a way to phrase it. uh, In my opinion, is Dawn of the Dead, his version of Dawn of the Dead. Honestly, a lot of that is because James Gunn wrote it. But I am hopeful for this one. It stars Dave Bautista. Um, That gets me a little hype. I do love some uh, Bautista. Zack Snyder has emphasized that he's trying to return to fun movies over serious, morose Batman versus uh, Superman type of shit. And that makes me excited for this movie. I am nervous, but I'm optimistic. I haven't seen his Dawn of the Dead remake. Every Zack Snyder movie I've seen I thought was garbage, but to hear that he wants to have more fun with his movies again is, I think, in general, a good sign. So I'm I'm open to enjoying this one. Maybe it'll be some good schlock. I don't have I don't have much in terms of expectations, but you know. Next yeah. up is uh Spawn Shop Heroes. <sighs> yeah, it's Spawn, directed by Todd McFarlane. <laughs> It's Pawn Shop Heroes is the name of the, the show, right? Did I get that pun right? Yeah, no. you did. <laughs> Congratulations, you done it. A pun, a pun no based off of something completely irrelevant to what you're relating it to. But, I know. All right. Yeah. Well, those are the best um, ones, the ones that are not. Uh, my initial thought for this one would be it's going to suck. 
but uh, Todd McFarlane takes himself extremely seriously. So I think this has a lot of potential for so for, bad it's good. For so bad it's good schlock. Yeah, an earnest bad movie, yes. which is what I look for. It's uh, starring uh, Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. In the past year, Jeremy Renner has had quite a quite a ride. He's had a year with his own social media network and also getting me too. <laughs> there is an infinitesimal sliver that this film could actually just be great. I don't think great in general, but like at least like something I actually think is good. There is a small chance. I'm I'm concerned it's going to ride somewhere between being so bad it's good and actually tolerable and it's going to it's going to fall somewhere in the middle, but who's to say, right? The the previous incarnations of Spawn have largely been just wacky as hell and i i tend to tend to support right that. well and that's the thing is like once again todd mcfarlane takes himself so so seriously so i think that this that this movie is going to be nauseatingly edgy i think it's going to be corny as fuck but like completely brutally sincere and that is the recipe for a so bad it's good mm. so i'm actually kind of excited for the spawn one not because i think it's going to be a good film but because I think it's going to be a hilarious film. I'm excited to show you guys the early 2000s one. Yes, because I've never seen it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a ride. Good. Um, right. What's so our last our film? Our last then? film uh, of the 20. This is the one that I'm least confident that will come out this year. But I had to mention it. It's, um, it's Friday. The 13th. I'm You're right, Mike. <laughs> That's yep. still relevant, right? Sure. Okay. Coming into the next decade <laughs> strong. This uh, film has been in development hell since like 2016, from what yep. I could tell. Well, the rights have transferred over to one <laughs> LeBron James, basketball superstar LeBron James. <laughs> Executive oh producer of Friday the 13th, LeBron James. Yeah. Media mogul, LeBron James. <laughs> Just yet another yet another sign that we're totally living in a simulation. Slasher master, LeBron, LeBron. James. <laughs> Horror auteur, LeBron James. I love yeah, it. I there's no information on this one. I just want to see what a LeBron James produced Friday the 13th yeah, movie looks like. Yeah, all I can say about this one is who fucking knows. <laughs> <laughs> who cares, honestly? Let's just like, go in. Softest prediction possible. Like, God, who fucking knows? Honestly, if it comes out, we all win. <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right, well, those are some of the horror films from the upcoming year that uh, we are going to be talking about, a couple that we probably will not. Um, we'll see who reigns supreme at the end of the year. And on that subject, it's time for Cleveland and I to gracefully accept defeat to Ben, who is the easy winner of our 2019 predictions, edged us out by four whole points. It they call close. me Nostradamus, folks. It was close for a while, but you really picked up a late burst of steam in the year, and uh, and yeah, just just swept. So, well, if our, they call you Nostradamus, they call me Nostradumbus. Couldn't have put it better myself. 
You could. I, 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 have, I, have, I, have, I have more faith in you. you our, our next episode will be our will be 2019's last laugh. We will be catching up on three films of Ben's choice from 2019 that we didn't get a chance to uh, do on the show. Go easy sooner. on us, Ben. So Ben, please. tell us, Papa Ben, what, please go easy on us. Please tell us belt. what are we in for? Oh, okay, so I. Oh. Decided, you know, I'm gonna pick some movies that I wanted to watch this year but didn't get a chance to yet that I'm hoping are good or at least fun. Uh, the first one is in the fun camp. Um, it's a movie that had to be covered on this podcast eventually. It's Fred Durst directed <laughs> Yes <laughs> Trash Disaster Piece, Trasher Piece. Uh, the Fanatic, starring <laughs> John Travolta. And yes, you heard that correctly. Directed and, I believe, written by Limp Biscuit frontman <laughs> Fred Durst. Yes. <laughs> I am unabashedly Woo. excited to watch this one. I am very excited. I, I have been wanting to watch this one for a while, but you have been hinting that it would be one of your end-of-the-year picks if you want. It had to be. So I, I, to be. I held out. I've been aghast since this movie came out, but you guys are slowly turning me around, and I'm, I'm a little keen. I'm a little keen to see it, but... Written and directed <laughs> by Limp Biscuit frontman I'm afraid. Fred Durst. I'm afraid, but maybe. You know, I'm, I'm going to go in neutral. <laughs> so the next movie I have is in interesting one this one came out and passed us by in theaters and we missed it um, it's phone. Uh, a little movie called them that follow um oh, it's an application cool. religious themed horror movie yes. starring olivia coleman walton goggins jim gaffigan's in it interesting um, i really i don't really know anything about this is jim one. gaffigan the ghost he's white enough he's pale that's uh, yep Got him. The cast is stacked, and that's what got me interested. Yeah, that's um, a great title. Uh, it's a unique film. Something, yeah, cool. that should be interesting. Great choice. Um, so the third movie is called Daniel Isn't Real. I've never um, even heard of that. Title's ringing a bell. It's a first-time director, Adam Egypt Mortimer. It has Sasha Lane and Patrick Schwarzenegger, son of Arnold, in it. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. Okay. It's about okay. a... Actually, I won't give you the plot. I'll just leave that okay, up yeah, in yeah. the air. Cool. Um, but I will say um, someone compared it to Hereditary plus Mandy plus Jacob's Ladder plus Fight Club by way of the best of 80s New York City trash. Think Frank Henenlotter. Okay. I'm, I'm curious to see if this random internet person's that, perspective holds up. I hope it does. That sounds like a mess, but, but uh, I like all of those things. I do too. We'll see. We'll see how, in what way it's compared to those those masterpieces and i'm not going to think about that too much because that's kind of unfair also to just like list all those masterpieces and go into a single film this is going to be interesting i have seen the trailer and it looks very stylish so cool and this one is a movie that actually uh just dropped a couple weeks ago in mid-december so i'm i'm those are sound like great choices you know i've been i've been worried for a little while and uh, now that worry is no lie, your owners. I was thank God. I was worried. I didn't know what you were gonna you were gonna pull out of your hat. I was, yeah, I'm I'm quite pleased. Those those sound like nice choices. Yes. Um, There's a couple other films that I wanted to cover, but haven't been released just yet. So they might be my picks down the line. 
I know virtually nothing about two of those three films, so uh, yeah, this one's, uh, I'm actually kind of excited for this one. You can tune back in with us next week to hear our thoughts and see who really has the last laugh of 2019. But, <laughs> and uh, this week is uh, sponsored by the inevitable March of Death. Keep your heads up, walk on brightly into the next new year. We march always onward, dying every second of every minute, yes. of every hour, of every day. What are your guys' big 2020 resolutions? My goal is to not die make, and... Yeah, make it through 2020. <laughs> uh, that, that's where I'm at. My goal Stay alive. is to live in the future. My goal is to find a way into a android body and shed my humanity <laughs> for for once and for all. Oh, nice. I, th- I think my goal is the exact opposite, but that's a whole conversation in <laughs> of itself. <laughs> um, well, until next week, if you like the show... And uh, you want to join us on this 2020 extravaganza wild ride. God only knows what's going to happen by the end of this year. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Help us grow in the numbers. Share an episode with your friends. Add them to the legions of the pod people. Yes, our numbers grow. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod or at letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod where you will find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those corresponding episodes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DeepStateOzzy. I'm at Mr. Sheets. And I occasionally tweet for at LightArc Studio, and you can find me also as Cleveland Mosier on ArtStation. Might as well wrap that real quick. Um, Always good. Yeah, doing a Vadi video YouTuber uh, Elden Ring contest right now. Uh, probably, maybe the video will be out by then, almost certainly. By the time and this episode's out, we'll know possible. whether I, yeah. you know, made it in top ten or not and get featured. Uh, hopefully, I do. If you're into spooky, cool video game bosses and stuff, check that out. But primarily, if you're really into spooky video game stuff and whatnot, check out It Stares Back. You know the drill. Just Google it if you're not sure. You'll find out on your own way. It stares back, the video game. All right. Well, we hope you're having a great 2020 so far and that the year to come is full of thrills and chills. But no uh, spills. Hold on to your drinks, folks. No, no spills. Over here, we only hold on to our drinks. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. <laughs>